Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, barbecuers of all ages, Cowboy Cav here welcoming you to the Man Meat Barbecue Show with your host, Mikey K. Man Meat Barbecue is brought to you by Myron Mix and Smokers. Are you a caterer, a competitor, a barbecue enthusiast? Myron Mixon has the smoker for you. Check out all their styles at MyronMixonSmokers.com. And don't forget to tell them Mikey K sent you. Do you enjoy this podcast, our blogs? Well, join our growing community of friends over on Patreon and help support your favorite barbecue podcast. Also, don't forget to check out our YouTube page for lots of videos on different styles of barbecue, different recipes, and the entrepreneurship of barbecue. And now, here's your host, Mikey K. We are hanging out with the Southern Bell Barbecue. Now, if, you, if you're on Instagram, it's Southern underscore Bell underscore Barbecue, uh, BBQ, if you want to be t- precise and technical. Um, I'm pretty sure if you type in half of that, it'll come up. Um, so I want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast, hanging out with us. Um, give us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little, tell us a little bit about you. Well, thank you for having me. Um, like you said, my name is Taylor. Uh, I started barbecue when I was 10 years old. Uh, I grew up showing quarter horses and we'd be at the shows for like 14 plus hours. You know, all the trainers, husbands got dragged along and what, they bring me. <laughs> it is a breed of horse. Um, they're like the American cowboy horses. Basically <laughs> it's what you see, uh, at all the rodeos. Uh, I didn't do rodeo myself. I did Western pleasure. Um, but I did it my entire life. I started when I was four years old. Um, I'm a redneck, but it's real ironic. <laughs> I was born in Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> my parents are Jewish, and I cook barbecue. Um, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Slow down. <laughs> Slow down. Let's I know. Re- it's like let's restart. Do a joke. <laughs> <laughs> let's restart. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> you just gave us a long list of stuff, all contradicting. Oh, I know, all I know. And I'm a woman. You know, you can throw that in there too, and it's even worse. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, what did you start cooking on? So, the first thing that I ever got was a big green egg. Um, you know, I was 10 years old. Uh, I was doing it like in between classes at shows. Um, my father did not want to sit there and stoke a fire. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to, but he sure did not. And, but you know, the big green egg held itself. That's not a cheap cooker. No. <laughs> well, my dad's a Komodo Kamado guy. Uh, okay, um, so the big green egg was a cheap cooker. <laughs> In his eyes, yes. <laughs> you know, he still to this day is funny about letting me touch the, the Komodo Kamado because it's like his baby and the joke is that he loves it more than me. Uh, but you know, now he calls me and he'll be like, Hey kid, I'm cooking a Boston, but what do I do with it? And it's like the proudest moment when your dad calls you about barbecue. <laughs> it's like a better compliment than any judge or critic ever. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, yeah. a, that's, that's the perfect compliment. Now what size Komodo Komodo does he have? He has the big are- bad. Oh, yeah, um, it's pretty sweet. The best part about it was actually watching the people get it there because my parents' driveway is like a 90-degree angle. 
Uh, <laughs> and now the box truck couldn't fit up it. Of so like it five dudes pushed this Komodo Kamado up their driveway to get it into the backyard. So uh, the thing will go with the house when they it, move. It, it, it's, it's literally kind of like um, when I got my Myron Mixon delivered to me. Um, it, it's a, you know, the Mixon's big. They sent one delivery, dude. Uh, oh, no. And it was dude, Guys, Myron Mixon did not send one delivery dude. It's the delivery service that they ended up using, which, of course, I mean, you have to have a delivery service in every state. And since it's freight, the way that most freight does is it gets freighted to somebody that will deliver to residential. Yeah. So it's having it delivered to my uh, to, to a residential at that moment. <laughs> and um, it the guy should – thank God I was home. <laughs> He would have left it on your front door. <laughs> no, he would have left it. He would have left it in the fucking street. Oh man! Like literally, he could not. It was it was a it was a cold, icy, snowy <laughs> day. So he like didn't pull into the driveway, which I don't know why he didn't. Because <laughs> um, I told him I'm like, why don't you pull into the driveway? He's like, no, it's okay. We'll just. He do probably it couldn't. And maybe he could, no, he could have. Like, the way our driveway is, he totally could no, have. No, 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 He probably wasn't a good enough driver to do it. I have actually had to degrade a man before and help him get his trailer out of a parking lot. And was like, move over. I got this. Honey, I got this. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. And so, I'm like 5'2", so it's even worse. Dude, that's even better. Oh, my God. You just made my night. Yeah. Um, but he, like, he's like, no, he's like, it's cool. And he just had, like, one of the regular, like, hand truck trolleys. And he's like, I'll make it up. It's all good. So he's trying to pull a thousand pound like cooker on a crate uh. over a curb. That's icy. <laughs> and I'm just looking at him. I'm like, okay, this isn't going to happen. The mean side of me would have wanted to watch for a minute. Well, I like, I'm like, I <laughs> help. And then he's like, are you okay with taking it off the crate? And I'm like, no, I'm not. Oh. I want to leave it there for as long as possible. <laughs> like, yeah. So we, what we ended up having to do is we, we backed it up close to it and we basically kind of just kind of just shoved it over and it just kind of made it on the driveway. Oh, and then God. we made it all the way up the driveway, but it was so like painfully watching this dude do this. Yeah. It's like, why did they send one? Getting the smokers delivered scary sometimes. Uh, I got a Timberline 1300 sent to my house. Yeah, the well, first that's one, a whole was, other thing. It was on a pallet. I, I actually, there's a, a big, sto- ironic, ironic story with that. Um, it got hit with a forklift when they were trying to get the pallet like off of the truck, and it wouldn't open. So they ended up having to send another one. And uh, it was at my restaurant. My line cooks, I just, I could not trust anyone to actually stoke a fire and keep it consistent other than myself. So I was running I to a stick burner and a pellet. And uh, one of the line cooks one day, the first day it ever got delivered, I'd never used anything electric ever. Like, I, if I have my choice, it's an open fire Santa Maria style pit. Okay. But okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm a caveman. <laughs> I want the big fire, and I want to decide how far close I want it to it. But here's the and problem. I my hand the and health I guess department the and the 
the health department and then the the fire department or the fire would not like me. Doesn't really want that shit. No, they don't. So that's why we brought in an electric pellet smoker, and then my stick burner was next to it. Right. So the first day this thing's ever delivered, I set it up. I have the wheels locked. Well, one of my line cooks goes outside and unlocks the wheels. And it's at an angle, right? Why? And so, oh, well, hang on, hang on. He moved it and he forgot to lock the wheels back. So oh, I go okay. to load up meat on this 1300 and the lid smashes down and crushes three of my fingers. Fantastic. Yeah. Serves well, I mean, right they were all afraid a, of me after. Serves you right for using a pellet cooker. I know. I know. I know. Well, that was the joke that the <laughs> fire gods were mad at me with all the line cooks, but all the guys were afraid of me because I grab a damn beer bucket and I stick my hand in it and I walk upstairs and go, so guys, I think my hand's broken. We're going to finish service and I'll be right back after to help close. So I stand in the expo window with like little grape fingers. You can like see my like shattered fingers. I boxed for a long time. So my hands are already messed up. And like I trained horses that used to like mess up my fingers too. So it was already an issue. So I'm just like standing there with like this giant swollen hand. Like <laughs> your hands like two times the size that it's supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. Like a baseball mitt. And they're all just looking at me like, what are you doing? And I'm like, it's okay, guys. It's okay. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. Yeah. But, you know, none of my other pits ever bit me, so. <laughs> it serves you right. I mean, that that's what happens when you get a pellet smoker. They bite you. Yeah, I got smacked real hard by, by that one. So your but, first one was obviously a big green egg. Then you start, what, what kind of, what moved you into the stick burners? I was just fascinated with like having to actually tend to the fire more closely. And that's what I had always watched. Like that's what all the guys had um, that, you know, I grew up watching and actually I got my big green egg because I was so intrigued by what they were doing that I walked up to and I was like, Hey, I want to know what's going on. They looked at me, you're a girl, you don't do this. And I went, daddy, <laughs> did you hear that? So, so of course my dad, being the dad that he is, is like, all right, kid. Uh, we're going to set you up. You can figure it out too. And, uh, he traveled a lot. And when he was home, he always cooked barbecue. Uh, okay. now we're in Boston. So his barbecue is more like, you know, burgers, chicken, <laughs> that type of stuff. Um, so I kind of started just wanting to hang out with him uh, and doing that. I always preferred the live fire though, over like, you know, a gasser. Um, yep. so it started with that and then it kind of moved on to wanting to do like the pork shoulders and briskets and beef ribs. And I kept these little journals <laughs> and I'd like write what I did and you know what I thought of it so I could try and like get it to what I thought was the perfect thing. Um, cause I've always been like very, I don't want to say obsessive, but a little obsessive over, you know, recipes of things. Like I'm a pastry chef, um, as well. And when I made my cookie recipe, I made cookies like every night for a month. And I had like sheets of craft paper that would have the recipe and I'd put like the different cookies on it and compare them and be like, all right, this one wins. Um, until I finally got to a point that I fed with people and they went, these taste like love. This is fucked up. And I was like, all right. <laughs> no, no. <that's> <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's what I wanted. All right. Is that better? You were good doing great. Uh, so, dude, when they taste like love, that's exactly <laughs> like, that's the, I think that's the goal. Right? Oh, yeah. Well, I like, so I really like like a chewy cookie, but like the bakery cookies. But okay. in my opinion, those are a little bit too chewy and they're not fluffy enough. 
So it's like this crazy hybrid like cross of like almost a toll house cookie and like a cookie that you'd get in a grocery store for being a good kid <laughs> while mom was shopping. Okay. So it's got like the nostalgia points because when you bite into it, it's nice and soft and chewy, but it's also like somehow fluffy at the same time. <laughs> and I eat way too many of them. Like I would way be real into fitness if I could give up cookies, ice cream, and bourbon. <laughs> maybe you are into fitness. You're just not giving up your your loves. <laughs> I couldn't. You know what I mean? Like some people are like, oh, I'm really into fitness, but I like what I like and I eat what I like. Yeah, I know what you mean. Because that, I mean, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'd take uh, the cookies over anything else. <laughs> you take the cookies over anything? <laughs> yeah. So, <coughs> obviously, you can bake in the egg. Mm-hmm. Which is awesome. Do you do your cookies in the egg? I do most of the time. Um, I hate cleaning. I really, really hate cleaning. And anytime I use, like, my oven, somehow it's a disastrous mess. There's crumbs all over it. Um, I like the cookie smell in the house. Um, but then I I'm starving. That. Like, hours later, <laughs> like, smelling the residual cookie smell. Um, but I also like to use smoke as a seasoning. Yep. So for me, when I want something a little bit different, I like to do the cookies with a little bit of pecan or cherry wood or apple, something nice and mild just to kind of add on to it. Um, but an important thing to do is to make sure you like cook the smoker off a little bit before you put the cookies yep. on. Yeah. Put it on a pork shoulder and then you throw a tray of cookies on. You don't necessarily want those flavors mixing. Um, Why not? Burn, like, you know, and burning fat and cookie dough. <laughs> it's not the same as bacon in a cookie. Like cookie, um, cookie. Pulled pork cookies? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe like a pulled pork brittle on top of a cookie. I just, it, you know, I, I don't think pulled pork should probably go on a cookie. Some Franken cookies. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. We're, we're doing a, a collab with a, with a donut restaurant right now. Yeah. And um, they're like, well, let's try doing pulled pork on top of it. I'm like, I don't know. You guys can try. I'll cook it for you. I'm like, I just don't think it's going to work. I'm and a I big fan of the donut bun. I am. It like melts in your mouth when you bite into it. It adds this really nice texture and sweetness. But they want to do it just for like a donut. Oh. Not like a sandwich. They just want like a donut. And oh, like, that's cool. Pulled pork can't get cold. No. And, like, the, I'm sure there's people out there right now that are like, I eat my pulled pork cold. Yeah, but I'm the not average on a big person. Treat. Yeah. <laughs> not a, not, the average person doesn't want to be like, oh, here's cold pork. Yeah, like, I'm a chef, so I eat everything cold because I have, like, five minutes to eat, like, squatting down on a line because no one can see you eat for some reason, even though you're the one cooking all the food. Oh, no, you're not – you're never allowed to fucking eat. Um, no. Like when, when I cook at like festivals with like different brands and stuff, like I have a hard time eating even when they tell me that I can because it's just in my head you don't eat in front of the guests. Yeah. No, I totally <laughs> and get it. every time I eat at a festival, there's this phenomenon. No one takes pictures of me when I look cute. It's like when I'm like taking a giant bite out of a beef rib and it's like dripping <laughs> down my face and then the damn picture is posted like everywhere ever. Of course. 
I'm like, all right, I'm always an animal, I guess. It's just like, or I'm like smiling candidly at like a piece of pork belly. Like it's like the love of my life. And I'm like, all right. Maybe it is. <laughs> Have you thought about that? <laughs> it might be. <laughs> but it, it might be. It, it, you know, it, it is true. Like whenever I eat anywhere, like publicly, I feel like the people like that take the picture, they're like, they wait. It's like, it's kind of like when wait staff comes up to you and asks you how you're doing. You always yeah. have like, I don't know, for me at least, I'm always caught with like, I just took a huge bite. And they're like, how's everything? Yeah. And I'm like, really, really. Like, uh, you got food in your cheek. That's the trick. <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when you talk. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, it's literally like right as I take my bite. So I'm still like chewing it. I haven't moved it anywhere. And they're always like, well, how's everything? And it's like, great. It's like, it, uh, it's like wait staff just knows. Yeah. They know they they, they know it, yeah. and they're 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 devilicious for it. <laughs> yeah, but it's like every time I look back, without fail, it is always of that. It's either that or like a really awkward picture that someone like tried to get my tattoo in. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, being heavily tattooed, it it's um, it, it's an interesting thing when people are like, I'll get I'll get people that like will 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 work with me on stuff, and they're like can we get your hands in there instead? And I'm like, yeah. So why? The problem and that they're like, I cause have, your hands are tattooed. I'm like, oh. yeah. So I'm starting with like pants and then I'm going to go like up into a bodysuit. Okay. But because I have a giant, like pinup version, like cartoon of me grilling on a big green egg on my entire right thigh. And people will walk up to me and like lift like my shorts or not something, a, trying to see your face. I will hit you. Not <laughs> you can ask. You can ask nicely. I've got. But you the, don't just get to, to try and peek. I've gotten the uh, where they'll grab my arm and start twisting. Oh, yep. So they can see the whole thing around, and I'm like, yeah. Hi, I'm a human. I'm a human. Human. <laughs> human. Exactly. Yeah, not I get that. Or, you know, the old, old people, they'll look at me and go, you'd be such a pretty girl. And I'm like, screw you. What does that mean? <laughs> Am you, I a criminal? <laughs> if you really want to mess with them, <laughs> if, if they're like, you'd be such a pretty girl, be like, but I'm not a girl. Oh, <laughs> actually, I've done that to people in bars before. <laughs> I'm mean. <laughs> Don't assume my action. <laughs> no, you just really don't want to talk to someone. Thanks, I got him last week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or be like, you'd be such a pretty girl. I know the transition's going fantastic. <laughs> they just run away at that point. Oh, like God. pray for me. <laughs> so, what are, what are some of your favorite things to cook? Like, what got you when you first kind of started getting into it? Because obviously, you cook a ton. You own a restaurant. You do a bunch of stuff. You do a bunch of stuff with Big Green Egg. Um, mm-hmm. You do a lot of festivals, events, and all all that stuff is just. I mean, it's great. But what's like when you're cooking for fun? What what's your favorite dish to cook? So my favorite things that I make are actually things that are like at the core traditional barbecue, but then I take them and I transform them into different things, like my beef ribs. Uh, I take my beef ribs, Dalmatian rubs, so salt and pepper only. Uh, I throw them on the smoker 225 until they wiggle like a nice butt or <laughs> like room temp butter. Uh, when I get to that point, I pull them and I actually make my own pasta. 
And what I do is I smoke the flower and I smoke it to several different levels wait, wait, of wait, darkness. Wait, 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 wait. You smoke the flower? <laughs> yeah. You uh, like I take, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll take the flower and I'll put it in like a big, big pan, like a big cake pan. So it's nice and level. And I'll toast it to like several different levels of doneness. Okay. And I actually will do like three or four different levels and I'll roll them all individually into dough. And then I put it through the pasta machine together. Um, so it ends up making this crazy like wood grain pattern. And it has this really nice like difference in smoke tone. So you get some nice like nutty flavor and a, almost a little teeny bit of that um, like fire flavor to it. Not burnt. But when you can tell, like, that something's been grilled. Um, and I okay. only use, like, the smallest amount of the heaviest toast. Um, it's more just a very light smoke. But it just adds a different, like, uh, dimension to pasta. And it's kind of a fun take. And it's just absolutely beautiful. Um, so but I always make my own. So you're just taking regular flour. You're putting it out. Mm-hmm. High-protein nice- flour. I use double zero. Okay. Um, but you can always just use high-protein Guys, um, you want if, if you're if you're not quite sure of what she meant by double zero, double zero is actually the grind of the mill that the fl- that the that the grain goes through to create that flour. Yeah, you want really fine flour for any type of pasta making. You don't want yeah. a weird gritty texture in it, so it's an important part. Absolutely. Um, mine is a very very yolk heavy pasta. It's this crazy like bright bright yellow um, before the toasting process. So, like, the lightest tone will be, like, really, really bright and vibrant, and then it's, like, a beautiful golden, um, like, a nice, like, tan brown. What temperature are you doing that at? Um, like, 300. I do it slow um, to really get that flavor imparted into it because I'm not just trying to get, you know, like, a quick toast. I want it to take some time, get some of that smoky flavor in it while it's going. Have you gone lower? I have not um, because you don't want to – over smoke it per se um and you want to be able to get the color on it and when you're going lower it would take forever to get any type of color onto it um and it's funny like my briskets i'll cook for like 24 hours um everything else i have no patience (laughs) so i tend to do it a little bit warmer uh so that way i'm not waiting around all day Uh, because you also have to let it cool completely uh, which isn't terrible because it's such a finely ground thing that it does cool relatively fast but you okay. couldn't use warm flour to make the pasta. You don't no, want to start cooking your yolks. Yeah, it'd just break. <laughs> yeah, no, but, uh, I totally but okay, get so, what you're so I take this pasta and the short rib, and I make a salsa verde. So it's got basil, parsley, uh, pine nuts, um, some anchovies. And a lot of olive oil, salt, and pepper, and it's ground down, um, like almost like a more coarse pesto. And I toss the noodles in that. I put the beef short rib on top, and I make my own egg yolk botarga, um, which is just cured egg yolks. It's just 50% sugar, 50% salt, and you just uh, use the egg, and you make little dents in it, and you drop the yolks in, and then you cover it. And you let it sit in the fridge until they're just firm enough to touch, and you brush off the salt, and you can smoke those at around like 225 and they have this crazy umami flavor like a parmesan cheese and i grate that over the top of the pasta and then i put a fresh egg yolk on top like a carbonara and i stir it all together and it's like my favorite thing in the world (laughs) 
That is very interesting. Yeah, so it's got like a ton of smoked and like barbecue technique to it, but yeah. when it's composed, yeah. it's like a like fine Italian dish. Um, and that's kind of like what I like to do because as someone that's been cooking barbecue for a long time, I love it, but there's only so many things that you can just eat, you know, just pull pork. You know, you get to a point where you want to do something else with it and kind of push it to see what you can do with it to kind of make it fun again. Um, cause there was like a good two years that I didn't enjoy pulled pork anymore. Cause like I'd cooked so much of it that I like didn't even want to smell it. Well, I think it's. I think it's one of those things like the more you make of something, the less you're going to necessarily want to eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people tend to, you know, they, they'll, they, like after I, I do a huge, you know, a catering event or, or a pop-up or whatever we're doing, um, people are like, oh, are you going to eat this food? And I'm like, no. Yeah, I know what you mean. When you smell like it, like, okay, so I have an afro. People can't see that. Um, my hair permanently smells like hickory. Like, pretty sure I cannot wash it out. I'll be in the grocery store, and people will be like, I like your perfume. And I'm like, thank you, sir. It's meat, juice, and hickory. Yep. <laughs> I can smell the barbecue, like, in my hair, like, hours after cooking it. And it's just to the point that's like, okay. I smell like it. I've been tasting it. I don't want it by the end of the day. Um, so when I, yeah, when I go to eat it, I'm like, okay, what, what do I want to do with this to make this appealing again? Um, so I have some fun with that. Like I've made like little dumplings. Um, I like to take pork belly and make ramen. I am obsessed with real ramen. I'll smoke the broth even. Um, so that way my house doesn't smell like stock. Um, especially when you're roasting bones and stuff, when you're going to make like a nice stock, um, you don't want your house to smell like burning marrow necessarily or smoke it out. So I'll roast the bones outside on the grill, um, and just finish the stock out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Cause um, you know, you don't want to leave a pot overnight either on your stove. No, I've also become slightly obsessed with ramen and making real ramen. Mm -hmm. And that's one of those things where like, I don't like using my oven. Yep. Because it's just <laughs> boring. So yeah, I know what you mean. it's trying to figure out how to make ramen on the egg and playing mm-hmm. with it and like not over smoke because you can over smoke it. it oh, and yeah. Then it, and then it's just kind of, it's just not good. Yeah. So you really got to find that fine line. And that's like, I like playing with that and like f- figuring out what, what's just, just getting to that like, okay, this is the perfect smoke flavor. You know what I mean? I think that's so much fun. I definitely know what you mean. What I actually do is, so I leave it with the lid off like the majority of the night and then I go and I put a lid on the pot so it doesn't take in any more smoke but it's still getting that heat to continue to like infuse that flavor. Um, Because I I get what you mean completely. There's been like a a few batches and I'm just like, oh man, (laughs) this is like licking the inside of the grill and I can't do this. Yeah. Uh, So I, I get that. But, uh, yeah, so I was working, like, 70 hours a week for, like, the past few years. Um, so I'm actually taking a month off, and I'm going to try and get back into the more, like, corporate chef side. Because, um, you know, the festivals, the demos, all that stuff is what I love to do. Um, yeah. I taught for a long time. I coached an equestrian team. I taught cooking classes. Um, I was Big Green Egg's head chef instructor. 
Uh, and, you know, have the fun of barbecues, the people that you meet. Uh, and I had a lot of fun with that. I've made some great friends. Uh, and, you know, I also have that fun thing of when I'm at a barbecue festival, like I said, I'm 5'2", I'm 120 pounds, and I'm 24 years old. So I stand out like a sore thumb. And people walk up to me and go, do you need like help lighten your pit? And I'm like, you can F off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you can, right, right. Filet, can filet you 10 different ways. Uh, and I always used to start all my demos with a butcher demo just so people were like, okay, this girl knows what she's doing. Um, but, you know, it's fun because it, it does draw in like a little bit of a crowd because it's something different. And at first it used to make me crazy. Um, <laughs> but I, I kind of learned to like <laughs> enjoy it. And, you know, start producing different things. It's like, you know what? They're already thinking I'm doing something different. So, you know, I'll do the pulled pork. I'll do the brisket. But I'm also going to do smoked bacon fat biscuits and banana bread. So <laughs> it's uh, it's my fun place. Hey, you know what? That's what you need. You need yeah, to have exactly. that fun place. And you need to make yeah. sure that you're doing, you know, doing doing what – what makes you happy? And, and so many times what people do is it just doesn't make them happy. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it, when it's something that you love so much, once you get to a point where it feels like a job, it's not the right thing. Yeah. And you I, don't sell out. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. Um, like for a while uh, at my restaurant, I was doing pastrami. And okay. I, I cure it myself. Um, I'm from Boston, like I said. I moved here when I was like eight years old, so I don't really count, but my father did a lot of business in New York and he always brought back pastrami from cats. So it's ah. something that I've been obsessed with my entire life. And uh, when I started doing it, I was like, all right, I want a pastrami that has the texture of a Southern style brisket, but the flavor of cat's jelly. Um, so my pastrami, I actually cure myself. Uh, it's cured for eight days in a super secret brine that I used to go in and make before anyone got there. So no one knew what was in it. I kept the spices in my pickling spice, like in my little chef box. So no one knows what it is. Um, and I smoke it for 14 hours and then I steam it. And it actually has a double crust. Um, the crust that it's smoked in is like a Southern style barbecue. Um, and now my barbecue is actually a vinegar based dry rub. Um, but it has a lot of homegrown, dehydrated and dried chilies like ancho, chipotle. Um, so what it does with the vinegar powder is it makes your mouth water. So you bite into it and it's like this nice, fatty, delicious brisket, but the vinegar and your mouth watering cuts that fattiness. Um, so it has that, like a light coat of that on it. And when I pull it to steam it, I do the black pepper and coriander crust. So when you bite into it, it has that nice, like sweet spiciness, but at the very end, it has like a little like tip of the hat to like Southern barbecue. And I serve it really thick sliced, <laughs> which, you know, some people get mad at me for. But it's um, not a brisket. It's, it's pastrami. Mm -hmm. It's a pastrami. It's different. It is. It is because it's cured. Um, but, you know, people look and they go, oh, pastrami has to be thin sliced. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. Because <laughs> well, cats doesn't thinly slice it. Exactly. That's always my point. I'm like, cats doesn't thinly slice it. So I ended up doing it two ways, you know, thinly sliced and uh, big slices. But I also, um, I don't use just the flat. I use the whole packer. 
A okay. lot of people only use the flats for pastrami. I like the little bit of extra fattiness on it. And I do trim it down real well because um, no one wants a giant cured fat cap because that gets a little <laughs> funky, funky. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's pretty significantly cut down. Um, but I like that nice uh, fattiness in the center. Okay. Yeah, I mean, when I do when I do my pastrami, I do it out of the whole packer, mm-hmm. um, and that's it's a little bit different, obviously, because like yeah. you said, most people use the flat. Um, I'm from Chicago. We have a heavy Jewish neighborhood, so pastrami is is still very prevalent in Chicago. Yep. You know what I mean? Where where some people don't think it's necessarily as prevalent. Um, oh yeah. But it, de- it definitely is a very prevalent thing. And I, I make, I've also done pastrami beef ribs. Yum. Yeah. I've, I've done a few weird pastrami things. I've done pastrami duck breasts. Ooh, um, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Duck breast is a fun thing to play with, with meat curing. Like duck breast prosciutto is one of the easiest cures to do. Um, it's pretty kind, <laughs> but it has a nice flavor profile on it with that fatty duck. And that, like, kind of tangy cure to it almost. Yep. Because um, pastrami is definitely a very unique flavor. It's not for everyone. Uh, I found that out. <laughs> you know, you could serve, like, five people at a table, and, you know, four of them will think it's the best thing they've ever had, and one's like, eh. This is repulsive. Yeah, I'm like, you can go away. <laughs> well, I mean, but, it's, uh, it's, it's their flavor profile. And, and I think even at Cats, I mean, not everyone's a fan of Cats, though. Not everyone's no. a fan of that. What not everyone's a fan of that. No, they're not. You know, you have to have a cherry soda with it. So, <laughs> so I had the cherry sodas. Um, my father gave me a very hard time that I had pastrami on my menu and not a cherry soda. Um, <laughs> so it was a thing that uh, the meal came with it. Uh, it served on, you know, a nice marble rye that I made myself and a homemade uh, whole grain mustard. Okay. 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 So, a little different, you know. Uh, nothing green on it, though. I'd get, like, kicked out of my tribe if I did that. <laughs> <laughs> that that's, that's phenomenal. That really- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are certain things that I have to be able to make, right? Yeah. And I, I think you're correct with, like, as, as you cook more and more, you start to, um, you start to learn – you start to uh, learn the <clears throat> what 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 else we can make with it, right? Mm-hmm. You start to play with that and have a lot of fun with it. Oh um, yeah, because I think that as Instagram and all that stuff, as, as all that fun stuff goes, it, you can really. What's the word I'm looking for? You get a lot of ins- I get a lot of inspiration out of Instagram. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then I'm like, how do I elevate this? And how do I change? How do I change this? Or how do I how do I make it on a cooker versus somebody who's making it maybe in their oven? Or, oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? And then adding and then like like certain things is how do we make it and then add a little bit of smoke flavor to it, but not too much smoke flavor to it. Mm-hmm. That's right? that's kind of like what I was saying earlier. With a lot of people think about it as just a cooker and not the fact that smoke itself is absolutely a seasoning. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I know, like, yeah, like you can use very, very little spice and still get an incredible amount of flavor off anything that comes off of a pit that's being run properly. 
Um, And, you know, the color as well is going to be different because, you know, obviously the amount of smoke that's coming off of it, you know, the style of cooker that you're using, the kind of wood that you're using. Cleaner um, smoke. Yep, exactly. So that, that one kills me. I was actually served something absolutely terrible the other day. Um, and, you know, the worst is when you're served something bad and someone goes, chef, what do you think of it? And you're like, fuck. fuck <laughs> no, that's the exact thing. You're yeah. So. Um, <laughs> wow. So was, no, dude, this was smoked ice cream. So obviously this person did not know how to properly do it. If you're going to smoke an ice cream, please, dear God, cold smoke your glaze, your base, before you spin it. Because if you take something frozen and you put it in a pit, it's going to grab smoke like crazy. And it tastes like you are licking an ashtray. Now this person put raw carrots under it and like store-bought like canned candied walnuts in this ashtray ice cream. And I just wanted to cry for them because I do a lot of smoked ice cream, but I'll either smoke. Did they take the ice cream and then smoke, like let it melt down? And no, 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 no. no. So they, (laughs) they took a bowl, like a big bowl and they filled it with ice and rock salt and put a smaller bowl in it with the ice cream and let it sit on the smoker. So it didn't melt, but so it got smoky, Uh, which in theory is a good idea. In reality, it is not a good idea. <laughs> it did not taste good. Maybe if the smoke had been cleaner, maybe it would have worked. Okay. But you're also going to only get flavor on the surface if you're doing it that way. If you're smoking your base and you're stirring your base, you're going to get a more even smoke flavor throughout it. Mm-hmm. Um, I even typically take it a step further and I'll just smoke an ingredient that's going into it. Like I'll smoke my milk. But you have to be careful that you don't um, it. overcook your milk because if you scorch it, it's going to break down the proteins too much and it's never going to solidify the way that you want it to when you spin it. Um, but you know, it's, it's, (laughs) it's using it as a seasoning again there, but it is possible to over season. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like the game of, you know, take, keep a little book. That's, I still do it to this day and I'll write down, you know, I did this and this was God awful. Don't ever use this, make this abomination ever again. Or, Oh, this was wonderful. Um, like things like meringues, Meringues are beautiful on the smoker because they get this really just phenomenal golden brown color on them, which they should anyway when they're baked properly. But the smoker just adds this extra beautiful color to it, like a like nice caramel tone. Yeah. So I always yeah. smoke my meringues and I make them almond instead of vanilla because the vanilla and the smoke kind of combat each other. But the almond and the smoke are absolutely delicious. Okay. 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 So I like to add components like that into my plated desserts, so you get that smokiness still. Um, Because like I said, I'm (laughs) I'm kind of a caveman, Um, so everything that I do, I try you know cook it over fire or make it very simple and just let it speak for itself. I just think a lot of people don't wait for that smoke to get clean. Yeah. Um, and I've heard so many like obviously I've heard so many people like oh my God, like your barbecue is so much better. Like I own a catering company, so we do a bunch of stuff. We do mm-hmm. pop-ups, we cook for the public. I do, I do teach classes. I also, um, uh, we just do a shit ton of stuff, right? And it's always yeah. the, the biggest question that I always have, and especially recently, I don't know, I don't know if it's just recently that it's just happening more and more, um, is the question is, why does your barbecue taste differently than other people's barbecue? 
And I go, well, it's kind of a couple different reasons. A, I, I use a stick burner. B, I make mm. sure that my, my, my pit is ready before I'm throwing stuff in. I'm not just, you know, lighting it and let's go. Yeah. So many people don't understand that. And then the other thing is, like, I'm making sure that I get clean smoke. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you know, it's like you, you can oversmoke something. And I don't know how many people have been like, oh, my God, I ate this person's food and it was just – it just was god-awful. And I just never wanted to eat it again. It was so smoky. Like that's – I just don't like barbecue because it's so smoky. And it's like yeah. do you not like barbecue or do you not like dirty smoked barbecue? Because that's yeah. the real question. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of people just don't take the time to learn their pit because they all run different. You know, I have six different cookers, and every single one of them has to be run differently. You can't just be like, oh, okay, we're ready to roll uh, and run up and just start rolling. Like, yes, the function is always going to be similar between the different types of grills, but depending on, you know, the material that they're made out of, you know, <laughs> all of those little details, they make a difference. You know, how big the airflow is, all that stuff. And people don't think about that, even conditions like if the wood's a little bit more wet than usual, you know. Um, and I always like to sit back and watch uh, <laughs> to kind of see everything going on um, because you notice, you know, who's really taking the time to learn their pit versus the people that are just going, oh, I know how to do this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did a, um, I did a, uh, uh, I guess grilling one oh one, kind of big green egg one oh one because we did it on a big green egg mm-hmm. and, uh, you'll get a kick out of this. I, I <laughs> did you lose your eyebrows or your oh, beard? No, no. You'll get a kick out of this though. So I said, I go, listen, I go, there's a couple different methods to starting your big green egg. We're going to show a couple different methods. So then you can choose – because all the people that were in that class like had either just bought an egg yeah, or were about to buy an egg. Yeah. Right? So I'm like, how many of you guys actually cooked on charcoal? And like there was like two people that raised their hand. Oh, yeah. I was like, a okay, lot of cool. A lot as a starter grill. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, cool. Let's go through this. Like you know what I mean? Let, let's talk about how we're going to start our cooker. I go, you can do it a couple different ways. You can use these lovely charcoal starters, which, you mm-hmm. know, Big Green Egg sells. And, you know, you take them, put them in the egg, light them, kind of let them go, let them get going, and then, you know, leave the, leave the um, top open um, or leave it completely open so that you get a bunch of airflow in it so that it can ignite. I go, or you can use a loof lighter because obviously yeah. I was doing it for a store that sells things. Loof so. Lighter. So we're, we're selling things, right? I've been there. Yeah. So I go, you can use a roof lighter or you can use a torch. Mm-hmm. So I'm showing them, and this guy raises his hand. Very nice gentleman. And he goes, it takes me 45 minutes to get my egg to temperature. <gasps> I go, how are you starting it? <laughs> a match? No, he goes, I use the big green egg charcoal starters. Like the whatever the the bricks that they get right, they yeah, get yeah. Out, right. I go, how much are you using? Because I'm thinking like maybe he's just like really trying to be like cheap and like breaking off just a little bit, and, like lighting that he's the entire pack. Yeah, uh. he's like, I use the entire pack, but it takes me 45 minutes 
That's why. <laughs> to get there. I'm like, what do you mean you're using the, like, no, but the entire pack, like a whole box. That's expensive. It's very, it's very, it should also ignite your grill. Like 15 minutes. <laughs> so we finally like figure out what he was doing here. The, the, like, the thing that he was doing was he was taking it, lighting it, lighting off, like lighting the whole thing. Right. Then he would close the grate, close the bottom grate. To where he oh, thought he needed to be at. And then he would put his plate setter on, put his grate on, close the grill, put put the daisy wheel on top, and set it to where it needed to be. Oh, God. And he's like, and I would just wait. Oh. And I'm like, you have absolutely no airflow. Well, you know, not all information is good information <laughs> because I have seen people... <laughs> Give demos online where they tell people that it takes 45 minutes and they tell them to put the plate setter in and the grate on and let it all come up together. Now, I have been using one for a very long time. I firmly believe let your grill get 50 degrees hotter than where you want it. Drop the plate setter in and it's going to drop 50 degrees and be right where you want it. You're not going to be waiting 45 minutes. Takes me 20. Shit. I mean, I've I've even saved – I've – Pulled it up a hundred degrees hotter. Oh yeah! Drop the plate setter, <laughs> drop the grate in, set, and I'll close the grate a little bit more so I cut off even more oxygen. Yeah. And it, it it'll be, it'll come down to where I want it. It sets itself, yeah. and then I'm good to and go. You know, worst case scenario, you overshoot it. Most people that grill and do barbecue have cast iron. Just put some cast iron on there, and it's going to absorb a lot of heat and help bring down the temp faster. Um, and I, I always rather overshoot than be waiting for it to come up. Uh, but you know, I light mine like a pyro. I have a weed eating torch and I, you know, I've never lit a grill without a smile on my face. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> my neighbors probably think I kill people between like butchering hogs, like on a giant butcher block in my backyard and lighting my pants with a torch. I mean, honestly, but, like, once I moved to the torch, you don't it, go back. It's so hard to go back to anything else. It is. Well, you know, you don't need a, like, power outlet, and it lights in, like, five seconds. You know, you get that real fun moment of a big fire, and <laughs> it's, it's just, it makes your life a little bit happier. It's just, especially, like, you, you guys, you're in the South, so you don't understand this at all. But when it's <laughs> cold outside, and you try using a loof lighter. It's not working. That shit takes forever. Yeah, I get what you mean. My uncle lives in Chicago, and okay. uh, he has a big green egg in his yard. And, you know, whenever I go anywhere, I cook. You know, it, it, like, comes with the territory. I'm sure you have the same thing happen to you. Hey, we're having a cookout. Come on, by the way, can you bring brisket? <laughs> or, hey, it'd be great if you make, you know, cake. Or, you know, it's always something. So at now at this point, I'm just like, all right, guys, I'm coming. What do you want for dinner? Um, and I had to light his big green egg and like negative 10 degrees. And I was like crying to myself a little. I probably would have if I wasn't afraid of my tears freezing. Um, I'm like wearing this ridiculous coat with a big fuzzy hood, like a yep. like yeah. Russian like doll. <laughs> and I'm still freezing. Uh, well, that's how it is. Yeah, I mean, we cooked, we, we got the polar vortex coming down this year. And um, it was the coldest day of the year. It was negative 25 and with the wind chill, it was about negative 52. 
I would have been inside. So we did beef ribs. <laughs> we were cooking? Oh, yeah. Were you, like, warming yourself over the grill? I mean, you could literally, like, I had it at, I, I like to do my beef ribs, 250, 275, yeah. and I could literally touch the grill and just oh, hold bad. it <laughs> because it, like, felt good. You know what I mean? Because it was just so cold. And when you looked outside, you could just see steam kind of, like, oh. coming off of it because it was so cold. But, I mean, the egg held up perfectly. Oh, it yeah. Worked, it worked amazingly. Um, I'm sure I went through a little bit more fuel. I had to. Yeah. You're There's just, no, you know, to adjust to combating the outside temp, exactly. it definitely has a little more but it does still hold the it's ceramics beautiful. pretty insulated yeah. um you know i have issues um running like the stick burners when it's really 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 freezing cold uh i use a ton more fuel trying to keep it going when you say really but, really freezing cold what's really really freezing cold when i'm at my friend's houses in the north okay. <laughs> like, georgia, georgia does get cold it gets like you know 10 degrees um mm-hmm. but that's like the coldest that we get so I can't really complain. Um, if it we snows, here. snow here is like an inch and the entire place shuts down. Of course and I does. love it because I drive like a Subaru Forester with all-wheel drive and there's no one else on the road. Yep. And it's beautiful. There's no traffic. They have no idea how to drive. They're just like, oh my God, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to do. Yeah, uh, exactly. We just cooked. I cooked in probably the worst conditions I've ever cooked in the other day. And it wasn't necessarily because it was cold, because it wasn't that cold, but we had uh, 45 mile an hour winds. Oh. And I, it was the worst conditions of it. And I, I was cooking on a stick burner, and it was just so difficult to keep that temperature even. Yeah. Like, because if my fire got too small, it would blow out. Oh, I've had to turn grills so, like, the airflow is it facing away from it, like, the wind. It yeah. was turned. <laughs> it was literally, but it was, the, the wind was so bad that it was just whipping around. I would have gotten blown away with it. Probably, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have been outside. So, I actually, funny story, I almost did get, like blown away trying to take down like the giant inflatable mr egghead that they oh, keep God. out in front of big green egg headquarters because it got forgotten about one night and it like started storming really bad and like for some reason the smallest person was the one stuck trying to bring it in yeah so it's like 150 like 50 to 100 feet tall right and it's got, like, these big tethers, and I'm, like, trying to wait for it to deflate. I'm holding on to it, like, trying to get the stakes out, and it starts, like, heavy, heavy wind. I got dragged, like, 10 feet across the front with it. Like, I well, couldn't let it go, though, I mean, because headquarters, like, 85, like, a really busy highway is yep. right there. So, like, yep. if I let it go, I'm killing someone with Mr. Egghead, you know, blowing off over it. And thank yes. God, you know, I got him. He was safe. I was safe. All was good. Bad but um, never did that again. <laughs> but I mean, it's ba- you're basically holding like a, a giant like parachute. Yeah, exactly. You're basically just holding a giant parachute in a windstorm. Not oh, funny. yeah. But it, no, not at all. Like we literally like cooking in that was like I never cooked in wind that that far, like that fast. And yeah, honestly, I'd rather cook in like bitter cold. Yeah. Than cooking I- in wind like that. 
I'd rather have it just be like dry, bitter cold than like windy. When it when you add the wind in or like any type of like humidity, so there's like moisture. I just I can't. Like first off, I look like a sad poodle if it's humid, but also it's freezing, and I'm not happy with it. You look like a sad poodle. That's fantastic. <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> Yeah. So you do a lot of barbecue festivals. Who's like the coolest person that you've gotten to cook for? The coolest person? Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. (laughs) I don't know. See, mine was, so I did Memphis in May last year and I ran um, the VI pit section for Big Green Egg. Okay. And I'm standing there, right? And I see Dave Grohl. (laughs) getting attacked by people trying to take pictures so i like casually sprint and like walk real cool up to him like hey man uh you know i noticed you can't walk five feet without being stopped uh everyone in vip right now is on a tour it's empty do you want to hang out for a minute like just like (laughs) relax so Grohl comes in he sits down and i'm just like i'm running 15 big green eggs at this point like cooking prime rib and so i'm making biscuits um, and like prime rib sliders. So I made him one and I gave it to him. And like 10 minutes later, he comes up to me and he grabs my face and he kisses my forehead and he goes, you're the baddest bitch I've ever met. And I died. I That's awesome. died. Like he's every bit as cool as everyone says he is. He's like a normal dude. He has a big green egg himself, like wanted to talk barbecue. He, al- he also smokes on a lane. Yeah. And he's, he's drinking out of a, a fucking leg lamp cup. Like a frozen beverage, like a boss. And I'm like, I love you. Like I had like <laughs> my like ex-fiance at the time like sitting over there, like watching girl like talk to me about barbecue and kiss my face. And I'm just like, ah. <laughs> I, I, guys, I've been trying to get him on the podcast. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to get him on. Dave, if you've listened to the podcast, which you probably don't, but. <laughs> yeah, no, Dave, if you do, you know, I could give you big green egg lessons still. <laughs> <laughs> You're offering. Yeah, yeah. He's got prettier hair than me. I don't like that, you know, but yeah, he's cool. You win some <laughs> and you lose some, okay? <laughs> yeah, I've accepted that. You know, it must be the rock star thing. But, you know, he was such a cool dude. He walked from his hotel to the festival by himself every day. Like, didn't roll in, you know. Didn't and, you know, he in. ended up getting brought in as a celebrity judge, but he was just walking around, just like talking to everyone, hanging out, like, you know talked about like big green eggs and stuff with me. Cause he was like, yeah, I have one. And you know, I do this. It was like showing me pictures of it. And I was just like cracking up. Cause it was like talking to like my friend's dads about barbecue. But you like forget like you're mega famous. Like we're just talking about like pork butts casually. Like dude, you're, you're like a rock star. And uh... yeah. And at the time, like my giant like thigh piece was just an outline. And like, asked me if it was like a temporary tattoo and I was like oh god no <laughs> you were like no it's real sorry yeah I was like it's it's not done yet I promise <laughs> it's it's not a you know color in yeah. piece but it's uh not- you know the guy that does all my work Joe Vegas books like a year in advance so it, it took me a few months to like get the whole thing done yeah I so, I get a lot of people that will be like why isn't that done? And I'm like, I just haven't like, I haven't had time yeah, to sit down for that many hours and give it yep. to that. 
Yeah. And they're like, oh, it takes that long? No, it takes 15 <laughs> fucking minutes. Like, let yeah. me tell you. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Um, like, my smallest one took, like, 10 minutes. But <laughs> everything else uh, has taken, like, my big thigh piece has taken 16 hours so far, and it's still not done. I have to put food on the grill. Um, but I have one on my left calf. It's, like, a big, like, American traditional-style chef with, like, a cleaver and a whisk, and it says, yes, chef, under it. Um, that one took eight hours, and I did it in one session. Uh, I think the longest I've sat for was six hours, and then my body kind of gave up. Yeah, my legs started twitching at one point. Well, uh, like, my, my <laughs> artist was tattooing me, and he's like, we're done. And I'm like, no, no, I can go longer. He's like, no. He's <laughs> like, your body, he's like, your arms are so, like, your arm is so swollen. Yeah. He's like, it's literally not taking ink anymore. It's yeah. just pushing it out. I know what I'm you like, mean. Oh, okay, I'm like, well, then we're done. Okay, cool. Like, if this is just yeah. a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, I have a thing with, like, pinups. Like, I love pinups. So, like, my next one's, like, a pinup Morton Salt Girl, but instead of the umbrella, it's a gun. Poor <laughs> way so, to do it. Yes, that one's going to go on the back of my thigh. Uh, you know, my artist had like, he was, he's really funny. And he was like trying to convince me. He's like, all right, so you got the sexy pinup on the front of your thigh. You should do like a big, like dad bod guy on like a stick burner on the back. And I was like, no. Like, I, I can't, can't do that. I'm sorry. No one will ever marry me if I do that. I'm going to die alone. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my hairy man on my leg. <laughs> Does this turn you off? I just, I couldn't do it. You know, like, everyone has their stupid tattoo, but mine could not be that. I mean, I could see that, yeah. Yeah, everyone does have a stupid tattoo. Do you have a bad one? I'm sure. <laughs> you think they're all great, though, right? Yeah, they're just, they're all pieces and parts of my life. And I, I get the question that people are like, oh, what does this one mean? Nothing. Yeah. They're like, what do you mean it means nothing? It, it means I, I was like bored. <laughs> and I went to, like, I went to go get a tattoo. Like, that's just what happened. Like, yeah, I have a I dagger, know. like, I have a dagger on my lower, like, kind of like my foot. And I got that because my wife was getting tattooed. And I was bored at the tattoo shop. And one of the other guys had, like, a free minute. And I really liked I this guy Cody. I really liked his start. He's a very big traditional kind of very big flash tattoo guy. Like that's just yeah. very much style. And I'm like Cody, you want to put a dagger on my foot? And he's like, Yeah, yeah, I do. I have a USDA Prime tattoo. <laughs> I'm not asking where that one's at. <laughs> it's my favorite one, I think. Like in all honesty. That is that is fantastic. You know, it's it's exactly where you think it is too. <laughs> oh, that's amazing! <laughs> Woo! So here's the best part: when I got it, my tattoo guy goes, "I've only done this on big bears." <laughs> <laughs> like I died. I was like, "Oh my god!" Yes. <laughs> oh my god! Yes. Like you know how they do like barbecue sauce wrestling at a few of like the events. I've strongly considered doing it several times. Just so, yeah. That's Just because it'd be hilarious. Because like, you can see it if I have a bathing suit on. But. That is fantastic. 
Yeah. You know, that's dedication. That's when you really love what you do. Yeah. That, that's, that's <laughs> Hang on. I'm plugging in my uh, laptop real quick. That is fantastic. Yeah. It's a funny one. It, it, it you know, um, it is, it, it, that is just, that's amazing. That, that is yeah, that, well, that I, have, I have an American traditional style uh, ribeye in the shape of Georgia being drawn. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, I have like a few kind of funny ones, but okay. So like I was, when I was doing the funny one, it's like a few of my friends have similar ones. And I was between like the Boston B because it'd be really, really funny because like it'd be a Boston butt. <laughs> but like no one would really get that no so i went with the prime one instead yeah if i didn't do what i did it'd be a really bad tattoo but i feel like i get a pass because of what i do yeah i'll give it to you i'll give it yeah. to you i'll give it to you yeah 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 for sure i'll give it to you that one that one uh, that one i'll give you <laughs> I'll give that one to you. Yeah. Now, <laughs> what would you say is your your favorite thing about cooking? My favorite thing about cooking is that it brings together, like, a big community of people. Like, when you're cooking something, especially, like, barbecue, it's typically large cuts of meat. It's not something you do alone. You know, if you're running a stick burner, my favorite thing about it is I have my buddies over. We drink bourbon. We smoke cigars. We have, like, a night of it, you know? Like, we don't eat until, like, midnight or <laughs> later, and it's on purpose because yep. we enjoy, you know, spending the day together, getting to catch up and talk, um, I love to host people. So, of course, you know, I'll time it. So I have like 10 little like appetizer type things that come off while we're waiting for, you know, the main event to be done, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's just a fun thing, you know, to be able to sit around and still enjoy each other's company because it's something that's hard to find. You know, it's a world that everything's fast. Um, people don't really sit and just enjoy company anymore. You know, everyone's always on their phones and I love Instagram and I think it's a great tool and it's incredible for networking and finding inspiration. But at the same time, when I do those big cookouts, I don't take pictures. Um, <laughs> and every once in a while, like I'm about to get back into it cause I've been, uh, kind of experimenting with some new things, but I took a break for like a month because it was like, you know, I love what I do and I love sharing the knowledge, but I looked and I was like, oh my God, I haven't actually like eaten my food while it's hot in like years because you stop and you take a picture and you make your, you know, boyfriend or your wife or whoever wait while you take 20 pictures of their meal and then you give it to them. Um, so I took a little break where I was like, you know what? It's just for me and I can make it beautiful or I can eat it on a damn paper plate and stuff my face. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, I, I, I usually plate one nice one. Yeah. Right. And then I just do the rest on paper plates. Yeah. Oh, I do the same thing. And it's um, like, I, it's like, yeah. okay, here's this beautiful plate. Whoever I like the most gets this one. And it's, <laughs> it, it, usually I'm like, here, babe, you can have, you can have this one. And she's like, yep. I'll just take the paper plate one. It's okay. And I'm like, yeah, but somebody's got to eat this one. This one looks beautiful. Eat it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. I um I collect pottery. 
Um, and it's all handmade things. Some of them are very cool. Like I have um, pottery from this artist out in North Carolina that my mom got me made. And it's actually the lace from her wedding dress pressed into it as the pattern. Okay. Um, so it's pretty special because like it was obviously something I'd never want to wear because it's it's not uh, – <laughs> first off, it would never fit me. My mother's six feet tall. Um, but second, <laughs> it's out of style. But the lace is beautiful. So she had like this incredible set made with it. Um, and I like to take pictures on those things, but it's like such nice pottery that I'm like afraid to let anyone actually like use it. <laughs> Cause I'm like, if you drop this, I will kill you. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, you know, when it's a nice seated meal and no one's drunk, like, okay. <laughs> but if, if everyone's been waiting, you know, 14 plus hours for something, they've probably had uh, a few beverages on the way. And uh, they're not carrying my mom's wedding dress plates. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Because you know someone's going to drop it. Someone's going to drop it. Yeah. Like, it's exactly. just going to get dropped. Yeah. Like, thank God stick burners aren't really breakable. Well. Have you broken one? No. <laughs> but I think somebody out there probably has. <laughs> well. Yeah. Well, you know, there are special people everywhere. I will say that I, um, I talked to one human a very, very long time ago, um, who his first time cooking on a stick burner, Uh just loaded it, loaded the firebox. Oh God. And lit it and went to town. Did he like warp it? A lot of it was. Oh God! <laughs> like he said that he had like. He's like I put uh, thermometers in the like inside, oh. like, you know, like the whatever, like either your like eye grill thermometers or whatever, something along that line, type thing. And when he went to like when he opened it, he's like the lid was so hot that it burned through the cables. Holy crap. And those are high heat cables. They go up to like, what, 500 degrees? I think they might go to six. Oh. He's lucky like a flame ball didn't shoot at him. I'm like, dude, how hot was your stick burner? <laughs> Glowing red. Yeah. Like, what did you do? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, now that like I think about it, I have definitely seen some people like forget that metal warps if you get it too hot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's painful to watch. She's like, just don't touch it, don't look at it, just let it come back down. If you bang it right now, you're screwed. Or like the people that like think for some reason that like cooking hotter is better. Like I, I see this phenomenon with some weird weird reason now, where everyone wants to cook pizza on an egg at like 800 degrees. Like first off, yes, it makes great pizza. But the concept of a Kamado smoker with the fire underneath your pizza compared to a pizza oven where the pizza is getting the heat from the side and you rotate it is very, very different. And I see like pizza that's like burnt and raw at the same time. Like it'd be like a Ramsey like showdown (laughs) of a thing. Like, you know, like the... Have you ever, like, seen the one where it's, like, this ice cream is burnt? How? It's, like, one of those. Yeah. Well, I mean, I got to think about it. 
do I sear steaks at 700, 800 degrees? Yeah. Why? Because mm-hmm. I can. But, <laughs> but when you do the pizza, and I, I have a couple friends that are really, really big into pizza, so I've, I've learned mm-hmm. a lot about that. And wood fire pizza, it's like the floor has to be a certain temperature. Yeah. But so does the dome. And the mm-hmm. dome is really what's cooking and melting the cheese. Exactly. And it, it has to be like a nice balance. And if mm-hmm. it's not a nice balance, dude, you're just. Yeah. You're destroying See, like, stuff. what I actually do is so I'll get it up to 700 and then I'll bring it down to like five, 550. I like at the max. So then the dome has that heat retention, but the bottom isn't going to instantly burn the crust. Cause you know, I like my crust on the thinner side, but I don't like it like super, super thin. Like it's kind of in the middle of like a traditional and a thin crust. Um, and you can't cook a pizza that's not super thin at that high of a heat on a Kamado smoker. It's going to burn before it's cooked all the way through. Um, so that's kind of like my happy medium with it. Uh, but I worked in Italian for but, a long time. As you're saying, like what you're doing is you're really getting the dome nice and hot, which is what's going to mm-hmm. melt the cheese. What's going to melt? What's going to cook all the ingredients that you're throwing on there? Yeah. And I use a infrared thermometer to temp my dome and to temp my pizza stone because your pizza stone is also going to retain heat. Yep. So there's a very good chance that it's going to be hotter than the temp reading that you're getting on your dome. And you want to make sure that you're aware of what that heat is to adjust adequately if you have to, because it's going to cook a little bit differently. Uh, And a lot of people forget that. You also get some, like, funky stuff thrown on the pizza stones. (laughs) I also also think a lot of people forget if they do more than one or two pizzas, Mm -hmm. that every time you open that dome, guess what? That dome's going to cool. The pizza stone is still getting – it's almost getting hotter because – you know, the, the fire is getting more oxygen. It's getting stoked more. So it's hitting that pizza stone the whole time. Yeah, exactly. And they don't really let the dome recover. Yeah. And, you know, it's a wonderful tool to use to get that nice wood flavor, but it's not going to be the same thing as a pizza oven. You know, like, no. yes, it makes a great pizza oven, but it is not a pizza oven. <laughs> Correct. So, you know, your your function's going to be different. How you're going to work with it's going to be different. Yep. Um, but, you know, like I said, I worked in Italian for a long time. Um, and, you know, I used to have to run grill. And with grill, I'd typically have to run the pizza oven because they're like, oh, you know how to run fire. Here you go. And I'm like, huh. <laughs> all right. Um, so, you know, yeah. You know, I, can sp- I can't spin it over my head, so don't ask. Um, everyone always used to, I'm not that coordinated. Sorry guys. <laughs> I do, it's just not me. Yeah. No, I, you know, I use the tops of the hands, closed fists, so you don't tear it, but, uh, can't really spin it very high. <laughs> it's not my thing. Yeah, Land on the okay. side of my head, you know, it, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. It's we're okay. not all coordinated. <laughs> we're not all pizza people. No, and, but and, they are round, you know? I'll give myself that. They don't look like Africa. Oh, that helps. Yeah. You know what I mean, though? Like, you see a lot of really contorted pizzas. And what I think it is, is, like, I see a lot of people that are afraid to work the dough with their hands. And they try and use it with a rolling pin. And they roll over the edge. Anytime you roll over the edge, you create little points. Because it's going to flatten it down when it switches to the lower surface. 
So it's important to, you know, just go right to the edge, but not over it if you're going to use a rolling pin. But you're also going to lose most of your, like, nice little air bubbles if you're going to be rolling it super flat like that. Like, I, uh, I have a method where I, first off, you start with a circle because if your dough is a circle, it's a lot easier to end with one. <laughs> I see a lot of people that just take, like, dough in any old shape and they start trying to work it. And it's a little bit harder, even though it is possible. And I take my fingertips and I press it out into a bigger circle and then move it onto the tops of my hands and just kind of lightly pull and rotate from all the angles to keep it circular and an even shape around. And it kind of forms a nice little crust that's a little bit thicker as well um, yeah. on the yeah. outside because, you know, there's going to be that little lip that you're pulling from. Yeah. Yeah. But totally it, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of those practice things. I am, I'm horrible at doing it, so um... – yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> really bad at it. You know, as long as it tastes good. <laughs> I'm, I'm just not good at pizza rolling. It's just not, it's not my thing. Yeah, it, uh, it takes me like three days to make my pizza. <laughs> uh, I do sourdough. <laughs> so I do like a nice long cold fermentation and then it proofs again outside. Um, so, you know, it's a process. <laughs> hey, I get you. So... I kind of like ending the podcast in a really interesting way. If you had to go back and tell you when you first started from what you know now and give yourself three tips to help shorten your barbecue learning curve, what would your three tips be? Always wait for the nice, clean, clear smoke, uh, stick, uh, stick burners <laughs> and, uh, charcoal are the way to go. Pellet grills bite you. <laughs> And um, don't be afraid to do your own style of barbecue because for a long time, so like I live in Georgia, right? So we're surrounded by a lot of different barbecue culture, but Georgia doesn't necessarily have its own. So, you know, you look at a lot of people that are doing specific things and you think like, okay, that's what barbecue is. Like, you, you know, going to the Carolinas, it's all whole hog and vinegar. And you're like, oh, okay, that's what it has to be, but it doesn't. You know, you can take it and your own influence and make it your own thing, and it's still barbecue. Um, and I wish I had figured that one out faster because for a long time, it was more trying to replicate something else and make it my own. Oh, I totally oh. agree with you on that. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of people do think of the same, like, rub and flavor profile when they think of barbecue. Um, and like I said, mine's a vinegar barbecue, like a vinegar powder, not like a vinegar, uh, mop. Okay. That sounds interesting. Yeah. I'll have, I could send you some, yeah. <laughs> you can see for yourself. I put it on like everything. It like, it works weirdly well with like a variety of things. Isn't it kind of weird? Like how that does, does go out. Like, it's like, this works weirdly well with this. Wow. Yeah, like, if you put it on, like, chicken as, like, a blackening and put it in, like, Alfredo, it's delicious. And, like, that should not be a thing. No, it shouldn't, but it, but it works, right? It's, it's incredible. <laughs> it, like, makes it, like, smoky and delicious. Oh, that's that, That's just, yeah, it's like, it should, why is this, why is this so good? Yeah, um, exactly. I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show, hanging out with us, chatting barbecue. Um, if you can do me a favor, can you tell everyone where they can follow your barbecue journey on the internet? 
Yes, of course. So you can find me at Southern underscore Bell, B-E-L-L-E underscore BBQ. Um, I also, in the past uh, year, have been added on as an admin of a big barbecue page. Uh, it's called Big Green Egg BBQers. Um, there's like 70,000 members on there. There's some really great advice. Um, I monitor the page pretty often, so the chances are if you have a question, I can answer it for you. Um, and if you look on the Big Green Egg website, I have many, many recipes and demo videos on there. Anytime it's a little green coat and teeny little paws, they're mine. Um, <laughs> you can usually tell, you know, when it's like a woman's hands versus everyone else. Um, like my rib method. Uh, you know, I like low and slow ribs like everyone else, but I also have a two and a half hour method. Uh, it's called the perfect ribs. It's on their page. It gives you kind of the base recipe of my barbecue rub. Uh, you know, of course, I had to leave a few things out, but I still gave you a delicious base to start with. Um, you can find how to cold smoke on there as well. I give a demo on that, on how I do it with a cold smoked salmon with a bourbon glaze. Um, so there are a few places. <laughs> well, that is fantastic. Once again, thank you so much for coming on the show, hanging out with us and chatting barbecue. Thank you for having me.